make you so special? Why did he bless you? Think about it. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. Got a smile when I say that shit. I woke up this morning. Go. Cheers, right? <laughs> I'll drink to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we are live. We are live with Jerry Freeman. And honestly, the way I wanted to kick off this podcast, just because I thought it was like a really beautiful memory, and uh, I, don't know, I thought it was a really cool memory, but I, I am now able to do a handstand push-up. I learned that about myself the other day. Oh. Like, like on a wall, like like you like okay. flip up to a handstand. So, I wouldn't even want to try. I'd smash my own head in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I we, my roommate and I were just up, we had these two girls over the other night, and one of them had done gymnastics, and mm-hmm. she, like, taught me how to do this, and I was like, wow, I, I can do this, and I, did, I just didn't think I was, like, able to do that. So, is, is being able to do that a product of her teaching you how to do it, or a fact that you've been, like, working out a lot lately, and I think trying to increase your athletic ability? I think it's more the second, like, I've been uh, working out, and... I think a little bit had to do with like my balance. I think it was. I think doing that was a lot of balance and a lot of strength. So I would say it was a little bit of more so of that. But then she exposed me to a skill within myself that I didn't realize I had, which was. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. So. And also, I wanted to wait until we got on the podcast. Was we we've been sitting around for probably. Wait, you said it was an hour. A little, a little over bit. an hour, just chatting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wanted to compliment your beard. Oh, thank you. I put balm in it before we started. Oh, there you go. <laughs> What's balm? Mm. So, there's a huge beard culture. Okay. And beard balm is something I've recently gotten into. And you know what beard oil is? No. No? Okay, so there is stuff that you can put in your beard that kind of makes it soft, moist, uh, smell good. Okay. And you've got the choices of pretty much oil or balms. And what the balm does is it kind of keeps it in a, a position. It holds it. And okay. it smells good, and it makes it look nice, and it keeps it moisturized. The oil, on the other hand, uh, is usually a stronger scent uh-huh. and keeps it extremely moisturized. And in fact, it helps like the, the bottom of your face keep from drying out. And Oh, that would be important. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, wow, that's it's, interesting. It's a huge culture. Yeah, I mean, well, I did notice that yours stays like it, it stays very yeah. It's perfect. It just, it's very free flow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's fun. I like hair products and stuff like that too. I oh, like that's cool. Into that. Is that is that different than like <laughs> shampoo you would like put on your your hair? You can use both. I, they have specific beard shampoos and conditioners and hair shampoos and conditioners, but I use Tresemme on both. That's yeah. I think it works the best. It makes it nice and soft, and then I go through with my clays and and the balm and everything else. There you go. Brushing it out. Yeah. Yeah, I found that interesting because. Uh, like like um, well like like I guess you have different types of hair. I don't know if you would know anything about this, but it's kind of interesting to me. Like how leg hair, leg hair like grows to like its full extent and then stops. Yep. It's like all right, we're cool. We have maxed out on how long we want to grow. But like like any like facial hair or anything like that, or or even eyebrows. Eyebrows grow as long as they do and then they just stop. But like your your hair on your head, it'll go for forever. Your like beard hair, it'll go for forever, which is kind of cool. I wonder what the science behind that is. Yeah, it's got to be something to do with like dead hair follicles, or not hair follicles, but dead cells and stuff growing out. That would make sense. Maybe like the main source of it growing out is is you know your face and your head. Do you think it serves a particular purpose? Uh, maybe just getting rid of of dead cells in the body. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate at all. I'm just making my best guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea either. So 
Because I remember, I, I've, I've heard that there are two different names for the two types of hair, but unfortunately, I'm not too up on my, my hair uh, my hair game, I guess. Yeah, anatomy is not <laughs> my subject either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, cut my, uh, I cut my own hair, though, which is, that's probably really? about as much as I, yeah. I just taught myself how to cut You do a good job. Out. Thank you, thank you. You ever thought about going that route and being a hairdresser? Or I guess a not barber? No. This is just trial and error, honestly. <laughs> it's the best guess. Yeah, I messed it up for about two years, but I'm like, okay, it's worth messing up for two years and looking like shit for a period of time, and then I'll start getting it right, because eventually I'll be able to to get like a decent product at the end, and now I can do it without messing it up at all. I wouldn't even want to try. I'll go pay 40 bucks to have it done right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's how most people are, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, they have a skill that they can use, and I don't want to do it, <laughs> so I'll let sure. them do it. Absolutely, and it's hard, man. It's hard to do it like on yourself, because especially the back of my head, I'm just feeling for it. And there are certain things like trimming up the back. I have to like ask roommates or friends or whatever to, you hey, can you do this real quick? Really botched it, like. What do you mean by botched? Um, like, hit the razor wrong and just like went way too far and like went down to the scalp or something. I have. Oh yeah. The first oh. two years, like I said, trial and error. I I literally taught myself. Like I didn't watch any videos, nothing. No, like, you got a whole plethora of Google and YouTube videos. Yep. And you didn't even. You're like, nah. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, on that on plethora, I which that means like an abundance, basically. Yeah. For anybody out there, uh, I. I uh, used to pronounce that word incorrectly until about a week ago. So. You say it plethora? Yep, I did. Yep. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I also taught myself that that, that word, so that's why I've like mispronounced right. it. Again, you got a plethora of all kinds of Google that you can use. True. You didn't do it. <laughs> True. So, <laughs> we, we talked about this question before the podcast, but how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Okay, I'm gonna go back to the spur thing that uh-huh. you didn't even know about. Well, but you also you grew up with trick or chickens. Well, yeah, I grew up out in the woods, so farm chickens, cows, goats, all of it, horses. Um, see a solid number on chickens. I think let's see, aren't elephants like their skin is like really thick, like almost like leather, and it's like a few inches thick. It's definitely thick. I don't know how thick, but. I think a chicken could take down an elephant, but it'd take them a while. Like one would, but I think oh, if, really? it was, if it was, like, it'd have to be a really pissed off chicken. <laughs> but I think a, a solid number like, to make sure they. I, I I would say twenty would do it. Easy. Twenty. Okay. Twenty chickens would take down an elephant. Wow, that would be really that'd be a crazy YouTube video to watch. Pretty sure that'd be animal cruelty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's just happened in nature, like then then it'd be like its own thing. But I, I'd, I'd assume if uh, if it's on YouTube, it'd probably have to be like if those two species were to meet each other and like be enraged. I feel mm-hmm. like there's some human interaction going on there. Yeah, I, I it would be interesting to try and get twenty roosters tall attack an elephant. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know how you'd go about it, but. Maybe uh, spray spray some kind of scent that's going to make it all mad. See, it did it again, man. It, I don't know what's up with this camera. It's fine. Uh, yeah, the camera the camera just keeps dying. It's really annoying. Well, I mean, we'll just roll with it, but... Yeah, anybody watching the uh, video file is going to be angry. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of frustrating, but it is what it is. Maybe that's... So it's shut down? Yeah. It might be the SD card. I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Well, I'll try. I'll try reset. 
that we'll just roll with that. If it goes, it goes. Like, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, it's all good. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? What's the definition of sandwich? See, I would, I would just say like two pieces of bread. And then no, I mean, I'm talking like meat. what's the Merriam-Webster definition? Of oh, sandwich? are we pulling this up? Okay, yeah, like I'm curious because I'm all about like exact, you know. Well, I guess uh, yeah, yeah, because my, my own definition would just be as basic as two pieces of bread and then some meat in between, or and that would like be that. most most people's. But, but then again, you could go like the PB and J route. Like, have you ever heard of a Manny Wanchit? A, a what? A Manny Wanchit. A Manny Wanchit? Yeah. No. Okay, so a Manny Wanchit is literally Miracle Whip and a piece of bread. Okay. And it's technically a sandwich. Okay, okay. But it's only one piece of bread. Um, so I don't know. I mean, me growing up, that's that's something we would eat on a regular basis, and we called it a sandwich. But I want to know by definition if it is. Same thing with the hot dog. I mean, it's meat and bread, but you don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. You get, what's the definition on sandwich? Definition? We're going to get technical with this. We're going all in. Write down. We're committed. All right, the definition of a sandwich, it's a noun. An item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them, eaten as a light meal. So technically a mani it would be, but a hot dog... Is one piece of bread if you're eating it in a bun. True. It's connected. This is true. Unless you're doing it ghetto style, and it's it's a piece of bread that's rolled up. <laughs> I've done that before. So I, I technically no. <laughs> and there's no cheese. Opinion. That's that's crazy though that there has to be a cheese requirement too. I think that's I think Webster's kind of uh, getting a little full of themselves there. Yeah. I think they're pushing the definition a little too much. Well, I mean, they've got definitions in there of words that I don't think should be words. Like the word ain't, which I know is something that we regularly use out where I'm from, but it ain't a word. Ain't ain't a word because it ain't in the dictionary. But it is in the dictionary. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I always heard growing up that it wasn't in the dictionary. So is this like a recent phenomenon? or? Um, I don't know. I remember like high school, someone told me that ain't is a word. And I was trying to prove him wrong, so I looked it up, and it wasn't the dictionary, but it's defined as a slang term. Okay, okay. Yeah, I feel like slang should be in there, though. I feel like it's appropriate. Well, I mean, you got words like lit and fam and stuff like that. That's technically slang, and I wouldn't use that in conversation. True. But I might drop an ain't here and there, but that's just you know, how I was <laughs> raised. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. That's probably a generational thing, too, like lit. Yeah... I think it's funny. Same generation eating Tide Pods. Do you hear they're snorting condoms now? I saw that. What is they, that? They, like, come off the back of their throats That's or something? That's the most ridiculous thing. That is fucked up. <laughs> they're huffing bug spray again, too. Again? Yeah. So this was... <laughs> <laughs> so back in the 70s and 80s, people uh -huh. were trying to find any way to get high. And um, I don't remember the exact name of the chemical, but it's it's derived from a chrysanthemum. And Can you say that word again? Chrysanthemum. What's that mean? It's a type of flower. Okay. Um, but it's it's derived from the chrysanthemum, and basically, the way that it's processed in the chemicals, mm -hmm. if you sniff it, it's like a psychedelic almost. It'll do the same really? thing as like shrooms. Wow! And I'm not trying to give anybody ideas. But it'll put you <laughs> on a trip, but it can also stop your heart. 
Oh wow! So so it's 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 bad, but it was a huge thing in the late seventies, early eighties when these chemicals first came out, and in the past year and a half or so, it started to gain some popularity again. Oh wow! Which is really really bad for the pest control industry because those are chemicals that we rely on right. daily use, and uh, it's going to just make it harder for us to get what we need to get. Right? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me because, like, I mean, I'm assuming these chemicals are just not healthy to be mm-hmm. ingesting in comparison to something like natural, like psilocybin. Like, there's just, uh, I, I don't understand, unless they're the access to these other drugs, if that's what they're desiring to do with their time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me why they would go this alternative route that's artificial. Because it's cheaper. Okay. You know, um, they're thinking short term as fuck. Yeah, for real. I mean, you can go buy a what, fifty cent condom, snort it, get high for a little bit, or you can go buy what a gram of weed, smoke it for ten bucks, twenty bucks, something like that. True. Um, it's like that stuff. Do you ever hear about Croc? Croc. I've never heard of it. It was basically like off-brand, I think heroin. I think it was like off-brand heroin or meth, one of the two. Okay. And So is it still an opiate or? Um, I don't know the exact, but but they used it the same way they did, you know, injecting it. Okay. And it would just deteriorate the skin. I mean, the muscle and everything. You'd see people that had been on this stuff and like their arms were just rotting pieces of flesh and muscle. It's disgusting. Wow. But because it's like, a quarter of the price, they'd go ahead and do it so they can get their fix. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's just so crazy. crazy. Then again, we're no. talking about people that are addicted to heroin or right. people like on these like hardcore drugs. They aren't thinking mindset. straight to begin with. True. True. So they don't really care, but it's it's still it's a problem, and it's kind of it's it's sad to see people going down that route. You know, I've got friends from high school that are into that shit. Really. I'm sorry I mean, to hear that, man. Well, I mean, everybody knows or knew someone or knows someone or had someone from their past that went down a route like that, you know, um, at least out here anyway. I mean, Missouri is pretty well meth capital of the world. Yep. So. Unfortunately so, which is, at least for me, that wasn't something I realized until about, I don't know, it was a it was a while. Like, I was probably at least 15. I was probably older. I was probably around 18 until I realized Missouri has a meth problem. Oh, yeah. And we have for a long time. Yeah, there's a, a lot of, you know, old hippies and, and people that partied back in the 70s that they're just in really bad shape now because of, of what they were doing back then. I've got a cousin who's an absolute space cadet because he partied and did so many drugs that he's just, mentally, he's not there anymore. Damn. And uh, the only reason he's doing okay is because his mom set him up with, with a, like, kind of a, what is it? it's like a savings account, but it accumulates money um, and she also had a couple houses that they're still being rented out and, and whatnot. so he just got lucky uh-huh. that he could be living on the street yeah I'm sorry to hear that man I'm sorry to hear I, that. that's just the way it is around here you know right. I grew up in a town where only exports were meth and cattle wow if you didn't have a meth lab in your wow. basement you were you were an outcast because isn't meth's really easy to make right can't you just yeah, make it in like a I water think it's bottle or Sudafed something and, and couple other things. I don't know. Everything that I know about making meth is from Breaking Bad. Okay. Yeah, Sam, Sam. <laughs> I really don't know anything about, uh, you know, the process of creating it, so it's just, I knew it was around. Right. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy to be growing up with that. 
So if you, if you could send a message to the entire world, what would you say in 30 seconds or less? Don't pick your nose in public. Yeah. That's gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> reality? That was quick. That was quick. No, no, it was just, that was just a joke off the top of my head. I don't know what I would actually say. Um, wait, is it I have 30 seconds to answer or I have 30 roughly, seconds? I mean, that's just, uh, like, the, the idea is, like, a, a short message to the oh, entire world. If, if I'm going with don't pick your nose in. Okay. That's gross. Um, you, ever, you ever see nasties? I, I know living on the college campus, there's all kinds of gross people that are going to college. This is the first time they've been free. They don't even know how to do their own laundry. Absolutely. There's got to be that one guy that'll walk down the street just picking his nose. You ever watch him eat it? No. Oh. Oh, you've seen this. Oh yes. Ugh. Yes. I was doing uh, the the brown egg. There's an apartment complex right beside it. Okay. Or is it the brown egg? Is the brown egg referring to like a restaurant? Yeah, it's a restaurant. Okay. okay. It's really good. I don't ah, know cool. if it's still there, but um, there's a there was an apartment complex right next to it, and we were doing bed bugs there. Okay. And which is gross to begin with, and I'm sitting out on the porch and just kind of taking a breather, and I see this guy, he's just walking down the street, puts his finger in his nose, digs around for gold for a little bit, pulls it back out. Looks at his finger for probably two seconds and then sticks it in his mouth. Ew, how old is this dude? I, he had to be 25 or up. Ugh. I mean, just, it was the nastiest thing. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I didn't know people with that state of consciousness existed in this world. Well. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's probably the same kids that were eating Play-Doh in kindergarten. True. Nasty. And then now Tide Pods. Yeah, Tide Pods and condoms. Yeah. <laughs> Healthy breakfast. <laughs> Oh, uh, this culture, this uh, culture. I'm, what? It's not. Is it culture or stupidity? Uh, or is it a culture of stupidity? Ooh, ooh. I think there is a subculture out of this culture that has a lot of stupidity. Like, or at least we're seeing we're seeing all the stupid shit people are doing mm-hmm. now more than ever. Yeah, that that's. <laughs> I could see that. You know, we like we were talking about earlier. We've got all this connectivity. Uh, we can pretty much Google anything that we want to Google and see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, you know, people are doing stupid stuff and now they're posting it so everybody else can see. Sure. Also, you could factor in that, you know, um, most of us growing up with technology, uh-huh. you know, we've pretty much had entertainment at the click of a button or been able to learn something just by typing it in. And so we've kind of... Um, and we we brought into ourselves this just need for instant gratification. Absolutely. And so we've got the rise of like YouTube stars, mm-hmm. and we've got all these people that see things go viral, like the Catch Me Outside girl. You know, she went viral, made a shit ton of money, and instant gratification. People think, okay, I can do something stupid and make money, like eat a Tide Pod or snort a condom. I I think that could be like a big factor. That is a motivating factor, absolutely. Um, yeah. Drink water. Well, that's also on the uh, on the like sh- school shooting aspect, like how we kind of glorify these individuals. Oh. It's crazy to think, like uh, that. It's I don't a rough know. Topic that, to get into. Are you sure you want to go that route? I mean, we can, or we can keep going on the questions. It's up to you. Well, the, I I think it's an interesting topic and, and one that should be well researched. Absolutely. Because um, I I know me personally, I will. I, I don't want to say I'm straying away from that topic, but I 
I'm not super knowledgeable. I'm, I I know like as much as probably your average citizen, but like which is not. I enough. feel like I'm always yeah exactly. I feel like I'm not like um, I feel like I'm very ignorant on the topic, but I would love to hear your perspective. So, absolutely. As far as school shootings go, um, I think another one, instant gratification. We glorify, you know, all over the news media, every school shooting that happens. Right. And so you get these these kids that, well, I want to be famous, and these people are being jerks to me. I'm going to go take them out. Um, what was, I think it was the most recent one. Was it Overland? The one down in was it, uh, Florida. Was it Florida. Was it Florida? It was somewhere in Florida. I'm not... It, so too sure on like the specifics of where, but I know it was in Florida. Um, I, I think this is the case that I was reading on the other day. But this particular kid, mm-hmm. um, he had a lot of issues, and he had a lot of reasons and cases that he should have not been able to even buy a gun. Right to go do that. I mean, one of the major things was he blew up a chicken with a shotgun. Holy shit! But because he wasn't reported, because he. Nobody knew, the FBI didn't know, he was able to buy a gun. And I, a lot of these shootings are the same way. It's it's the FBI and the local police departments not doing their jobs. Like the Sutherland Springs shooter, mm-hmm. the guy, uh, he shot up the church, and he was uh, dishonorably discharged from the military for assault. Oh, wow. And No red flags? That right there should have been reason enough for him not to be able to buy a firearm. Right. But because the military didn't report it, the FBI didn't have the information to keep him from buying the firearm that he bought and used. And then, and that same story, you want to talk about the manipulation the media throws out there. Uh-huh. The same story, I read a specific article that stated that the shooter was using an AR-15 and the guy that stopped him was using a hunting rifle. Um, the guy that stopped him was also using an AR-15. And they demonize the AR-15, and really, it's just a gun. It's yeah, a glorified exactly. twenty-two. Exactly. It's a two-two-three round, which uh, you can pull up a picture. They're not that big. Most hunting rifles, like I have a thirty-out six. That bullet's about that big. Two-two-three rounds about that big. It's about half the size. Right. And it's just we're demonizing guns that shouldn't be demonized. And like you said, we're demonizing a one specific gun. Mm-hmm. What all guns are capable of. It just that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I agree. I, I think I, this was a question we, uh, or this was something we talked about a little bit at the at that party. Um, and I asked you this question. I don't remember your answer. Do you know the difference between an automatic firearm and a semi-automatic firearm? I wouldn't be able to regurgitate that like fully. So no. Okay. So the difference between the two: a semi-automatic firearm. Uh-huh. You pull the trigger, it fires a shot, and it loads another shell into the chamber. You hold it down, nothing's going to happen. Okay. Okay? So each trigger pull uh, equals one bullet. Okay. An automatic, you hold down that trigger, and it just keeps firing. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's a major difference. The majority of civilians cannot own an automatic firearm. Okay. At all. You have to go through, it's like $10,000 worth of, of background and paperwork and permits and everything else to be able to own automatic firearms here in America. Right. Semi-automatics are not nearly, obvi- I mean, they're obviously not as deadly. Um, 
just because you can't get that many rounds out as quick. So is an Uzi an automatic? Um, it can be either. Okay. But you can't legally buy an automatic Uzi. Okay. Um, so there are permits. So kind of what you're saying is there are regulations <laughs> that a lot of people aren't really taking oh, there's into a consideration. Lot. Um, what was there? There was a big push for stricter background checks from um, moms against violence. I think. Okay. Um, or moms, moms for gun control, something like that. We already have background checks in place. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a background check. In fact, I would encourage everyone to to even if you just return it as soon. I would encourage everyone to go and attempt to buy a handgun, just to see what it's really like. To know the exact product, so that you're not talking process. out of ignorance. You're not talking. No, out no. Of I mean, again, I was raised with guns. Yeah, you know, I was uh-huh. raised out in the woods. We had a whole cabinet full of guns. You know, they didn't shoot anybody. I've never shot anybody. I've got a gun in my truck. I've never hurt no one. Yeah, it's it's just that sounded redneck. I've never hurt no one. <laughs> but it's there's I think the main battle with the gun control debate right now uh-huh. is we've got gun owners on one side and the misinformed on the other. I would agree with that. I really I would. think it's people that don't have enough information or don't know the information or have been learning false information. Absolutely. And and then typically like what the media is trying to portray and the image the media is trying to portray and like you said like it's almost like we're personifying these guns as like mm-hmm. evil as just the guns themselves. I own an AR-15, therefore I must be a school shooter. Yeah, is what they're trying to paint it as, and it's just not the reality of it. There's the association. Seventy-one million guns uh-huh. in the United States. There's more guns than people. You'd think we'd see a lot more shootings, right? You know. Um, you, have you heard of the Australia mandatory buyback? Is that the law that everybody keeps referencing to about mm-hmm. how like they couldn't uh, explain it? Okay, so there's so much misinformation surrounding that particular. So in the 90s, Australia issued a buyback program for guns. Okay. But it was a mandatory buyback program. Oh, so they didn't have an option. Though. They didn't have an option. Oh, wow. And they took, I think... Roughly a third or two thirds of weaponry of firearms away from their citizens, um, and by their numbers, the amount of uh, firearm deaths significantly dropped that year. Right. The reality is, it was on this the, that particular year they took guns away. Um, it was on the same slope as it had been for the prior fifteen years. So. The, there wasn't a difference. The following year after that, they were able to buy firearms back again. And the firearm ownership um, after the buyback uh-huh. doubled from previous to the, the buyback. Okay, okay. And so by that logic, you know, the following year, gun deaths should have gone up, right? It's still continuing on a downward trend. Wow. Dude. So what's the correlation there? there there's not. It's just... I think I think what happened is we've got a society that's becoming um, less a bunch of dickheads, <laughs> and and we've we've got some people that you know are starting to really grasp the concept of human life, and then we've got these really really bad horrible people that don't care, and that's why we have mm-hmm. school shootings. That's why we have the the um, what was it the Pulse um, club shooting. Yeah, that's why we have those, is because of evil people with guns. Exactly. And in every situation, an evil person with a gun is stopped by a good guy with a gun. Whether that be a civilian or a police officer, it's, 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's it's always a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun. Absolutely. If you look, you know, all of these shootings we're have we're having, the majority of the cases they're all in gun free zones. Oh, really? Is that right? So yeah. Um, well, school shooting. School shootings, movie theaters. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. There it was the Batman, um, uh, premiere. This that was out in Colorado. Yeah, this guy's house. He had what was it, five or six movie theaters surrounding him. He went to the only movie theater that was the farthest away from his house um, that had uh, no firearms allowed signs. Oh, oh! So, so the, the motive is that oh, nobody else is gonna have a gun and exactly. they can't fight fire with fire. Because I, like, these I shooters are crazy, but they're not dumb. Exactly, they're going to places that are firearm free zones. Good point. Good point. Well, I always found that hilarious, like, walking into a bank, and they have, like, the picture of a gun, and it's, like, no guns allowed. Yeah. Like, like, oh, I'm going to rob this bank, but there's this sign here. I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a really good example of what you're talking about there uh-huh. is, you know, we take guns. You talk about, okay, so it says no guns. Uh-huh. We're not allowed to have guns there. Criminals aren't going to give a shit about that. Right. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, if we don't have guns and no one gets shot... If guns are illegal, then then we don't have to worry about all the gun deaths. Well, how did that work for meth? Meth is still a huge problem, but it's still illegal. True. You know, how many parties have you gone to someone smoking a doobie? True. It's still illegal. You know, underage drinking, still illegal. I agree. I think think if somebody wants something bad enough, they're going to get it. Especially if there's a demand in the entire marketplace. If, If a collective, like group of people want something, they'll get it. They'll find a way to get it. Like, whatever that may be. And I also think that the biggest problem with this and really any any political debate is I hate how it's so, uh, like, it's so polarizing. Like, like hey, I'm oh, on yeah. this team. Like, it's almost like tribal. You know, so, it's like, hey, I'm on this team. Fuck your team. But ultimately, I think everybody would mutually agree that we want less school shootings. We want less of these shootings to occur. It's just two different methods of getting there. Yeah. And everybody's pushing their agenda. And, like, just because they disagree, it's like, oh, fuck the other side. No, that's not the best way to look at it. We, we've got this weird situation where everybody wants the same thing. You know, liberals, or not liberals, um, Democrats demonize Republicans, Republicans demonize Democrats, Uh but we both want less people to die. Exactly. But we just have two different ways of getting there, and that's what polarizes us. That's, you know, me, myself, I I would say that more guns or more ownership and more people understanding, not more guns, Uh we've already got more guns than we do people here in this country, but more people understanding how it works and how the process works and more of our officers and not not to you know, detract from them because it's a need we have, but people reporting the crimes, like the kids shooting the chicken, that's animal abuse. That's that's a lot of things. Right. You've been called on multiple times. Um, and then the Democrats, they want to take guns away completely. That's obvious. That's not going to stop it. I don't, I don't think that's the best alternative either. And, it, it, like, people... I'm sure there are people, whether they're listening or not, that would get angry at us, like for us yeah. stating this opinion about gun laws. But ultimately, like we, like you said, and like we, like we both agreed on, like we all want the same outcome. So, like, why are you getting angry at us just because we believe this is the 
best alternative or be, yeah. best best route of how we can get there. And and this is like you said, it's a polarizing topic. I wouldn't be surprised if half of your viewers, you know, some of them like that guy. Don't ever bring that guy on again. He's a dick. Right. The other right. half is like, yeah, go, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. People. They, they get so upset about something that we really need to sit down and talk. The worst thing you can do in the world is stop talking to people that you have a differing opinion with. I agree. I think there's a lot of power in being able to like, actively listen with somebody you disagree with. I think I think that's extremely important. And like like it's it's just it's a lot harder too. Not everybody's capable of doing it. No, no, I, or they I don't choose to. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends of mine that are very, very liberal. They're anti-gun. Yeah, basically everything that they think about politically uh-huh. is exact opposite of what I think of. Right. And we still walk away friends every single time. Exactly. We we'll sit there and drink and talk crap and go over every policy that we hate and like and la da 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 and still walk away and be friends. That's why I can there's just not enough of that. Exactly. That's it, it I think it all kind of goes back to why we are unable to clearly communicate our intentions. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it, I think communication in itself like language is kind of restrictive in that aspect like to where we we don't fully know somebody else's intentions so we question them like oh do they want the best for this country or do they want these school shootings like especially whenever you you demonize somebody and you view them through that perspective of so much hatred towards them. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's just, uh, you, you start to question their intentions. So I think communication in itself is kind of restrictive. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for all that. Yeah, communication is key. And people, they dance around what they want to actually say a lot. Like, mm-hmm. this PC culture that we've created. It, it what do you mean by PC? Um, politically correct. Oh, it's the worst, isn't it? It sucks. And and have you seen what it's doing to comedy? You can't even make a joke anymore without someone getting offended. It doesn't even matter what the joke is. Fuck that. I Fuck mean, that. It's ridiculous. I'm a firm believer in the idea of stand-up comedy being a free-flowing platform of somebody to express... Wait, all right, I'm, so you're terrible. a huge freedom of speech advocate. Absolutely. I yeah. think I, that's, that's, good. that's good. Everybody has something to say, whether you have something I completely disagree with. Like, I, I would love to have somebody I completely disagree with and, like, debate with them, like, objectively without getting, like, like butthurt about their opinions versus mine. Because ultimately, I think everybody's better at me in some way, shape, or form. And that's what I've really learned through this podcast is, like, like somebody, like you can learn something from everybody, whether you agree with them or not. And typically, the people you disagree with, you can at least, you at least try to see it from their point of view, whether you can or can't. Like I think that's really important. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. You know, you should, you should be able to say what you think. You know, you could have an opinion on like let's just talking about guns. I'm pro Second Amendment. Let's say you're anti Second Amendment. Right. And I hate what you have to say. Your opinion is dumb. But it's still your opinion, and you have the right to say it. Exactly. And that's secured by our First Amendment. And then, like, like it bugs the shit out of me, especially, like, in, like, like Fox News debates, or I'm sure CNN has the same thing. But, like, whenever they get two people on, and they only have, like, a minute to speak, and they're both just trying to get their rants out, and 
They're like, yelling like, over each other. It doesn't exactly. accomplish anything. Nothing. No, it just makes you, like, disagree with them more, and it's even more polarizing yeah. for each one. I don't deal with mainstream media anymore. It's just, it's a crapshoot. Whether you're talking CNN, Fox, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you line up. Mm-hmm. They're all a crapshoot. They've all got an agenda that they're trying to push, and they'll skew the facts any way they want. Absolutely. To try and make sure their agenda is the one that's on top, and... I don't like that. <laughs> no, I, I think that's like agree. that's what I was talking about earlier with misinformation. There's so much mis- misinformation that flies around. Uh, you know, people are jumping on stories that they don't have the full facts to, and it's. I think it's really damaging to to spew out false facts or skewed facts or put out a story that you don't have all the information on. So you're making stuff up in the middle. Right. It's really damaging to the American public. Absolutely, and because it's gonna it's gonna get different reactions, different actions that people are going to carry on in the future. Like A good example of that is I've read some misinformation. Uh, I should have done more research after like like considering it, but mm-hmm. uh, like so I, I read online that if you sit in a sauna for 175 degrees for, or at 175 degrees for 20 minutes, that it burns 500 calories. So I used to sit in the sauna every single day for like, I don't know whether, <laughs> regardless of the amount of time, I'm thinking I'm burning calories when I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, I'm sitting in here. I'm burning calories after my workout. I can like cut. I can cut like on top of this. I come to find out, and I still, I just, I still don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's bullshit. I'm pretty sure that fact it is complete sounds bullshit. like bullshit. <laughs> it does sound like bullshit. Um, no, I, I wouldn't even want to do that. Does sauna? It, yeah. Does it hurt? Like after a while? Like as hot as it'd be? I wouldn't say it hurts. Uh, it's like, are you saying like uncomfortable? Yeah. It's uh, uncomfortable. Not hurts. Not I hurts. would say I I can feel my like head starting to get hot. Like like my brain. Oof. It, that's that's probably like, not good. Yeah, like <laughs> I'll get like a slight headache, and I've gotten dizzy in there. I've sat in there an hour before because I thought I was cutting weight. And <laughs> uh, I'm no doctor, but I'd say that's probably not good for it's you. It's not good for you. If you can feel your brain heating up, it's <laughs> not good. But that's why you act the way you do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that explains a lot. That explains a lot. <laughs> it's like, oh, it all makes sense. Find out somebody's born on Friday the 13th. You're like, oh, that's that's why it that's is. That's why you're wearing the mask. Reminds me of... Oh, oh were Yeah. Oh, there's a... I just... Uh, the same kind of the gun control stuff. Did you see the... Uh, I thought it was a satire post at first. Uh-huh. There's a school in Pennsylvania okay. that is planning on arming their students with rocks in case a school shooter shows up. They are arming their students with rocks? Mm-hmm. That's like... Are you, what? <laughs> That's what I said. I thought it was satire at first. And then it started... It, it spread and it was on Fox News and it was on CNN and it was on some of you know the other... Uh, podcast that I watched and I was like oh my god this is a real story <laughs> what the I thought hell? it was a joke what I mean what at the end of the day what are you gonna do like a school shooter walks in here yeah exactly exactly <laughs> I, I mean come I on you went to the extent of throwing your phone that's awesome come on <laughs> yeah like, like, uh, like oh <laughs> yeah like, I'm just imagining like you uh it's like the same idea as like trying to fight like a transformer with a gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> they just it's like just do a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> and like, how accessible are they gonna keep those rocks? That's just gonna be like weight in their backpack. I'd quit bringing that shit to school. Uh, I know for a fact I would. I'd be like, well, this is gonna do nothing if school shooter comes. So I'm not like, there's no way I'm not bringing this. I mean, I know 
Like, if someone's throwing rocks at me and it's someone I'm trying to get, I don't know my first reaction is going to be start pulling that trigger. Mm-hmm. And I think that would probably be worse. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you got a bunch of rocks being thrown at you, you're trying to avoid getting hit in the face, so you're probably going to cover your face somehow or turn it, and you're not going to be as accurate. Right. So I guess there could be some benefits to it, but it just seems like a really... It seems like a stretch as far as protection goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could be beneficial, but I feel like there's probably better ways to go about it. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's, uh... I don't even know what to say about that. Honestly, I have no idea. Like, that's... Like I said, I thought it was fake at first. That sounds I really fake. Did. It sounds fake as hell. And it... True. Absolutely true. How many rocks per student? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't... I, I read the story, and it was just kind of a short par- few paragraphs of, you know, they're planning on this, and because of this. And... <laughs> That's just so assuming I... all those students can throw, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if they walk into the art class? What's going to happen then? <laughs> not one of the drama class. Not one of them kids knows how to throw a rock. Not hard enough to hurt anybody. <laughs> they're going just straight accuracy, just like... Like, just barely taps them. <laughs> yeah. and instead of um, going into gun-free zone specifically, they're avoiding the gym and the, the locker rooms. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they're going to the art class and, and English lounge. <laughs> That's funny. That's a horrible, That's dark, funny. dark joke. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, just like we were saying with stand-up comedy, like, I think that's the biggest part of stand-up is, like, that's what's so cool about it to me. Because if, if I'm watching TV, it's either a documentary or it's, uh, like, a cool YouTube video that's interesting mm-hmm. or, like, a TED Talk or stand-up. Oh, I love TED Talk. Same, same. But, like, that's, that's what's so cool about stand-up comedy is, like, you could say whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of their opinions on there, like, they, uh, for example, I'm going into marketing and they, and they, they, they say... Uh, but there's this guy I was watching. His name's Sam Kennison. He's from like I think he's from the '80s or something. But he's like he his big joke was like fuck like if you're into marketing, fuck you or something. And obviously that targets me, and I disagree with it. But I was like, oh, this is a funny joke. Like yeah, you know? there's a, a I think a really clever bit about being a redneck out in the woods, and he talks again talking about you know, incest and messing around with your sister, like we were talking you know, that kind of stuff and. I think it's hilarious. Right. I'm a redneck from the woods. It's still funny. Exactly. You know? I think, I think a lot of the problem lies is people are too egotistical and they're not able to laugh at themselves. People get butt hurt real fast. Oh, yes. And, and it's, it's that's what we were talking about. Communication's key and people are too entitled to their own ego. They're too wrapped up in their own ego, not entitled, but wrapped up in their own ego that they can't take a joke. Exactly. If you can't laugh at yourself, who are you going to laugh at? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think that's really important. Be able to make fun of yourself too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do I make fat kid jokes on a regular basis. Exactly, and it makes it makes uh, it makes life a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. It took me a long time to become comfortable with with who and what I am. You know, I was been a fat kid. I was an eleven pound one ounce baby. You know, I was a big baby. Okay. And my whole life I've been fat, had to deal with that. And then in middle school, I still a little fat kid, but I, I was tired of being made fun of. Uh-huh. And I didn't know what to do. And my mom had a People magazine, and in it, it said that 70% of women are more likely to date that ugly guy if he's funny. And I thought, okay, I just have to be funny from here on out. 
Right. And so I started working at it in middle school, and it made my high school a whole lot better because of that. I wasn't just the fat kid anymore. I was the funny fat kid. Okay. Then I was okay. the funny fat kid on the football team. Then I was the funny fat kid on the football team that played the tuba. Funny fat kid that could drink and throw parties. You know, it, it's just <laughs> developing yourself, you know? Exactly. So... And getting comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. For and, who and you that's are. a process. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody deals with self-esteem issues, and it's just, you got to learn how to develop yourself. Make yourself a better person. And accept yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's probably the first step of self-love, honestly. Being able to accept yourself. I mean, it, it makes sense, because I feel like the first step of loving somebody else is to be able to accept them for who they are, mm -hmm. for what they are, what oh, they yeah. stand for. Like, <laughs> Have you ever seen the video? It's a... Uh, little Mexican kid and he says uh, I love myself even though I look like a burnt potato or a burnt chicken nugget no. I still love myself oh it's it's phenomenal <laughs> oh it's funny I love myself does he kind of sound like that yeah he's just a little fat kid so I identify with him you know I get it <laughs> that's yeah that is, that, that is really important being able to laugh at yourself so what do you think the difference between living and existing is? Living and existing. Um, if you're truly living, you're doing things that you enjoy. Okay. Um, you're actually experiencing life as it is in front of you, whether it's good or it's bad. I think existing, um, at least in the, the human mind of ourselves, would be more just working for the paycheck and paying for what you have and not not doing anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Life is all about experiences. If you want to truly enjoy living, you have to enjoy the experiences that you have through life. Okay. And if you want to just exist, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be. That makes sense? I do like that. I do like that. Do you think it's important to live for, like, every moment or just particular moments? Um, I'm actually going to quote the Bible here. There's, I'm not a, but there's a beautiful quote in the Bible that says, live um, every day like it's your last and plan like you're going to live forever. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't so, totally understand the planning like you're like, going to live forever. So live every day like it's your last day. Right. Enjoy what you have for that day. Uh-huh. But also plan like you're going to live forever. You know, 100 years from now, you don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck. At least this is my interpretation of it. You're right. It is very, like, a uh, subjective it's, it's, interpretation. Yeah, you have to interpret it for yourself. But my interpretation of it would be to enjoy the moments that you have but to plan for your future. So yeah, totally. don't spend every night going out drinking and partying, even though that's fun, but go ahead and go do it on the weekend. Right. But make sure, you know, throughout the week, you know, like your day-to-day -day life, enjoy the conversations you have with people. Enjoy that cheeseburger that you've had three days in a row. But also, don't blow, don't blow it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, while you're enjoying that cheeseburger, also remember that, in 10 years from now, you're not going to be in the same position you are right now. you got to plan to be in a better position. Absolutely. Just like we were saying before the podcast, otherwise you end up uh, working at Walmart at 80 years old. Yeah. yeah. Trying to plan it. Like, not, not on leisure, like 
literally trying yeah. to provide for yourself. Working at Mc, being a fifty-year-old manager at a McDonald's. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's so depressing for me to see. Yeah, isn't it? Like, dude, I just, I every time I see like anybody working at fast food, especially the ones that you can just tell, like they, they. They They're died mentally position. like yeah. years ago. Like They're just existing. Exactly. <laughs> I would say that's the biggest difference. I, I bet attitude, perspective. I mm-hmm. think those are two important things. What was what was the quote on the Bible again? Because I had a different interpretation. Um, I, I think that was the quote, but it was um, live, live every day like it's your last, and plan like you're gonna live forever. Is is roughly the the quote. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I would. I, I, yeah, I guess you also like planning to live forever, like have things to look forward to, mm-hmm. like being able to be like, yeah, like I, I got a soccer game tonight or I yeah. got, have a, I got a, uh, a reason to get up every morning and, and you know, I, again, enjoying the small things in life, but you know, planning for the future at the same time. Exactly. You exactly. Know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Steve Jobs has a quote, something along those lines too. Uh, pretty much he's like like if you can look yourself in the mirror and be like if this was my last day on earth would i be satisfied with the result and if it, it if you get there and you say no a few times like change something that's like, fucking I like change that. something i might switch that one up start using it <laughs> using the bible quote it makes me seem like i'm some kind of christian free you know like a hardcore christian whatever right it's really not the case yeah, I, I didn't attach any connotation to it whatsoever. See, most people do. If, uh-huh. if you, there's a lot of ancient truth in the Bible, honestly. There is. I'm there the same is. way. I wouldn't say I wouldn't consider myself to be very religious, but like, there's a lot of awesome shit in the Bible. I'm, I'm not very religious either, but I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from religions. Not even just Christianity, all of them. Absolutely. I mean, we've got massive different ideals in in all these religions, and. They're from ancient histories, you know, ancient truths, like you said. And th- I think there's a lot of things that we people, if, if people would study it more, we'd learn a lot more. Right. You know, talking like moral, moral grounds. You know, we've got the Ten Commandments, and I think that's important to live by that. And then there's similar stuff throughout every other religion that's close to it. That, you know, it's, I think it's important to to kind of set up your moral navigator. You know. Absolutely. Learning good from bad. Absolutely. And be able, yeah, I guess being able to establish those values within yourself as well, mm-hmm. which they that can stem from religion or it can stem from your your own personal life experience. But religion, religion is uh, the the ideology is going to give you a broader perspective. So I, I agree. I think it is something to take into consideration. I think if you study religion like you would a class, uh-huh. it'll give you a broader perspective. But I think. In a lot of cases, people will live by a religion okay. rather than study a religion, and they'll narrow it, n- narrow their, their perspective. I agree. Um, I know we see it a lot in some of the worst parts of Christianity. Um, you know, all the God hates the gays and stuff like that. You know, like I said, narrowing your perspective like that is, is really, I don't know, you're not opening your mind enough to truly get a good perspective on, on what's going on around you. Absolutely. You've narrowed your mind to one single goal, and by doing that, you've lost all of these opportunities that are around you. You're only limiting yourself. Yep. Closing yourself off to the mm-hmm. rest of the world. Exactly. Hey, this this is funny, because this girl specifically asked me, please do not talk about me on a podcast. Cool girl. Not going to say her name, but uh, she, she basically, I, I went to church with this girl, and I was really... 
happy uh, that I went because I was opening myself up. Like, I realized that I had been closed off because I had a negative experience of, like, falling out with my old, uh, like, middle school. And it was a Christian school. So I kind of started to associate. Like, they made my mom cry on the phone one day. And I was just like, like, from that moment on, I was like, fuck this school. Then I started to say, fuck that religion. Not like, not like, like. I know to an extreme, but like to some extent, I had like I was living with that paradigm. Walk against it, exactly, and yeah. I was closed off to it, and I realized that within myself after going to church with her. So I was super grateful that like she came into my life uh, for that reason. But uh, that's cool. I, I had something else I was going to say going off of that, but oh, oh, but her on the contrary, she had like it, for example, we debated uh, abortion one night, and she. I don't know. I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, yeah she, it's a rough topic. My, like, my opinion is pro-choice because I'm all about freedom, right? My but opinion. I'm also, like, I'm very objective with that. Like, I like I see other sides, and she was unwilling to, like, admit any... Like, she was only able to see the pro-life side, and I'm able mm-hmm. to see that argument as well. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. But, like, the like I was trying to explain the pro-choice, and she's like, no, that's wrong. I'm like, why is that wrong? And she's like, pretty much just begged the question. She's like, like, like it's wrong because it's wrong. I was like... Okay, like yeah. So that's her more her moral compass screaming off the edges because you disagreed. Exactly, and she it's and not she just that topic. Understand how you could possibly disagree. Exactly. Now, personally on abortion, I just put this out there. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I'm concerned about when it comes to abortion is I don't want it to be taxpayer funded. I don't think that should be a taxpayer problem. That's fair. That's fair. Um, other than that, I don't care. Okay, and. Well, like you're saying, there's a lot of people on both sides that they don't understand how the other side doesn't see it their way. Exactly. In their mind, it makes perfect sense, and they they have no clue that the morals of person A is different than theirs. Right. Right. So it confuses people. Absolutely. That's exactly what was going on in that situation. Well, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And, it, and we've all been there. You know, you, you see someone doing something, you're like, why? That's so dumb. In their mind, in their world, it probably makes sense. Right, right. <laughs> like the guy picking his nose and eating it going down the street. In his world, that was probably perfectly fine. Me sitting there, I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. And I guess justification to, the, to yeah. yourself. Uh, it's, like, just look at the definition of evil. I mean, evil is how others perceive your actions. Really? So, uh, uh, how... Like, you're looking it up, aren't you? Because <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm getting that computer, like, back up because it turned itself off. But it's like, we all perceive, well, here, here you go, Hitler. Everybody perceives Hitler as this horrible, evil person that, that was trying to kill so many people. Right. But the people that were under Hitler, they loved him. They saw him probably as a god almost. Right. We all see him as evil because that's where our morals stand. Right. But... His actions to them were beneficial. Exactly. You know, and the same thing, obviously that's an extreme example, but we, we have that same kind of, you know, where our perspective, we look at somebody and say, that's dumb, why are you doing that? I agree. I had to go on an extreme example there. I felt like it would make the most no, sense. No, no, that makes it, no, that was a great example and a very great comparison, like on a, why? Why the importance of considering mm-hmm. other points of view? Because it, it it really is. I I mean, we, it seems to be the kind of the reoccurring trend of this podcast. But like, I think it's one of the most overlooked things. 
out there like right now yeah. like like just other people just unwilling to admit the other side is possibly right why because they disagree with them that's fucking I think stupid. we got a theme going here what's that communication is key <laughs> absolutely absolutely it, it seems like what everything keeps coming back to it, it really is we don't have enough people talking to each other and trying to figure out their ideas absolutely absolutely and you, I mean, I'll have to throw you a compliment because you're a very good communicator you really are thank you yeah, no appreciate problem. that no problem uh, what's the difference between a house and a home um, that's actually kind of easy house is just a building and a home is like memories and creation like family yeah community you know a home is where you are comfortable loved accepted even if you live by yourself it's it's we were talking about art early earlier you know when you decorate your your living room or whatever that's an expression um, of yourself you're making the you're making it a home a totally. house is just a building yeah yeah absolutely customizable to yourself yeah to who you are yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So I guess uh, with that being said, so you, you inherit a house, but you make it your, home, your own home yeah. through whatever you decide to throw up in there, customize it. Okay, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like even even though you can, like, you can customize a place, but it's still like the, like, like you can throw up all your favorite posters, uh, whatever, whatever you decide to put in there, your favorite TV, your favorite lanterns. Uh, still not feel comfortable. Yeah, you uh, still don't get that homey vibe. Um, I don't know. I guess on that, I, I'm still gonna stand by. Home is where you feel comfortable. Okay. You're happy. So if you've got a house that you've decorated yourself and you're sitting on the couch and you're just content, that's a home. Okay. If you're sitting on the couch and going, I hate this place. It's just a house to you. Uh huh. It's not. It's not your. It's just your residence. It's not. It's not your home. So let's let's throw this out there. Like, I used to work at a restaurant, and there were regulars that would come in, mm-hmm. and very frequently because we're creatures of habit, they would just come in like every single day at a particular time. Do you think if if a home is somewhere that you're always comfortable at, do you think maybe a particular place that you go and sit down and eat every day that's also considered a home because it's where your comfort zone lies? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. The phrase home is where the heart is. Uh-huh. Um, there was a point in time where, for me, home was driving all the time, being on the road. Right. That's where I wanted to be more than anywhere else. That was where I was most comfortable. Going on a 16-hour trip to Michigan and back, that made me happy. Coming back and staying in my house, it was a house. Yeah. Right. So home is where the heart is, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, someone goes, you're working at the restaurant, someone comes in, that's where they feel the best, the safest. That, yeah. Absolutely. Home. Yeah, that's, that is a cool perspective. So I guess if you keep challenging, in theory, if you keep challenging your comfort zone, then you can take that comfort, like, and in in result, finding more comfort and being uncomfortable, you could take that comfort anywhere you go. Yeah. And you can make this entire world your comfort zone. <laughs> That'd be hard to do, but theoretically, yeah, you can do it. So you think the people that are living, like, I don't know, say like the 60-year-olds that have lived in the same house for the past 30 years and don't want change they prefer that security do you think uh do you think they're just they struggle to like leave their comfort zone um or do you think i think yeah they struggle to i i think it when you start aging you know as, as younger people 
we tend to, especially us, you know, being social, mm-hmm. we tend to go out and, and try and do things and meet people and, and experience new things all the time. So we're constantly expanding our comfort zone. Right. And it, it, talking about the six-year-old, they've been through all that. And they're getting to a point where they'd rather stay home and, and just relax okay. and, and be calm. So they've expanded their comfort zone, and then they decreased it again. Absolutely. And it, not always for the worst, you know. Sometimes the safety and security of just being in your own home is relaxing. You know, it, Especially if you had that constant change growing up, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, I feel like uh, the older you get, this is something I want to do carrying into the future. I don't want to, I keep wanting to be challenging that comfort zone. Whether whether I still live in the same house, like, I'm totally cool with that. But if I'm, like, for example, I still want to be challenging my comfort zone when it comes to maybe I'm scared to go try out a yoga class because it would be uncomfortable for me because I'm the only guy in the class and I feel judged and all these all these preconceived notions in my own mind that I think people are going to be thinking that are going to make me feel uncomfortable. But in reality, it's just, like, I want to keep challenging that, I guess is what I'm saying. You should keep challenging. Like, I mean, my example would be I was raised out in the woods. All I knew was rednecks and hillbillies. Then two years ago, I moved to Springfield. I probably would have never talked to a college guy, someone like you or or any of these, these... Anybody here in Springfield, because in my mind, it would have just been either a bunch of city slickers. Right, right. Now, I've pushed my comfort zone. I've met new people, and you kind of realize that they're just people. People are people. Yeah. Expanding your comfort zone is is really important in expanding your mind, too. True. Your perspective of how the world works. Because then you close yourself off to... Then you don't close yourself off to different ideas, different possibilities, different people. Yeah, it's, it's... you know, living in the woods is no longer the only way to live, as right. far as I'm concerned. You know, there's there's better options, and I, I would like to move back to the country, but I'm not going to be one of those weird rednecks living out in a shack. You know. True. True. So who knows? Maybe you could go to the city, get a complete change. Then you then you've lived a, like a myriad of uh, aspects of life. Yeah, I mean, I in my I think Springfield's a city. I've been to Chicago. I don't like Chicago. Oh really? Um, I've been to D.C., didn't care for it. I've been in Austin, Dallas. I've been in a lot of major cities. Uh-huh. And I, at this point in my life, would not want to live in them at all. It just seems too compacted. Absolutely. And I like to I, I like to free flow with it, you know? It is Chicago, very compacted. Chicago, there are some cool things to go in Chicago. There's this awesome restaurant called Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's? Yeah. I know, it sounds like Illuminati. <laughs> it does, it's it does. Lou, L-O-U, Malnati. Okay. And you buy a pizza there that's like that thick. Okay. It's huge. It's delicious. And of course, they've got the Fieldhouse Museum. So it's like the notorious like Chicago-style pizza kind of deal? Yeah. Okay. It's like a big old pie. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, cheese. Um, Fieldhouse Museum, that's definitely worth going to up there. After that, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, I was actually up there just like two, three weeks ago with one of my roommates and uh, one of my best friends from back home. It was a really good time. What'd you guys do? Uh, pretty much just biked around the city, got our car towed. That was super fucking awesome. It was actually it was pre- one of the most savage things I've ever seen in my entire life because I walked up to this tow truck driver, right, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what he was doing exactly, but we parked in this lot, and I'm like, hey, uh, would you mind taking our picture real quick? 
and he takes a picture of us because we, we were fortunate enough to rent a Dodge Charger, so we had like this nice car nice. for the weekend. And they like washed it right before we got there, like at the car dealership. So it was looking really nice and slick too. So I'm like, hey, would you mind taking our picture uh, in front of this car real quick? And he's like, yeah, man, no problem, no problem. And we talked to him for a little bit, uh, get our picture taken. We leave the car, go rent bikes, ride bikes around for like three hours, get our bikes back just in time. Or no, we get back just in time for before our parking time expires. Mm-hmm. We go back and our car's towed. So the guy who took our picture literally towed our car after we left. <laughs> I what like a dick move. I know, I know. <laughs> and it was all because uh, it was the most meticulous thing. Like this is the thing I don't like about big cities. Like whenever they look mm-hmm. at you, they don't see people. Like like when you like numbers. when you look at somebody, you see a person. Like same right. thing. I would agree with that. But they, and most people there, it seemed like they were looking at me, and they see dollar signs. So this, um, this, well, what they what they do is they rely on this one meticulous detail that whenever you pay for this parking pass or this parking whatever, um, you put the receipt of that in or on the dashboard of your car so that you don't get towed. Otherwise, we paid for it, but we forgot to put the receipt there. We thought we'd bring the receipt with us so that we'd have proof. You didn't even know you needed to put the receipt there, did you? No, and it yeah. was it was an Uber expense. I don't know how much that was because my buddy paid for it, fortunately. Shout out Joe Arms. Uh, and then my uh, other, other buddy had to pay for the uh, car because, yeah. So it was like it was like two hundred, three hundred dollars. I think it was like two seventy five or something like that. See, I spent about the same amount when I was in Chicago, but that was all for fun. Exactly. Yeah. That's the first time I went through Chicago. I was driving my truck and I had a forty eight foot enclosed trailer. Right? Oh wow. We sat at a stoplight for probably two hours. And then you're doing the Children's Miracle Network marathon. Oh, wow. Yeah, sat there for two hours. We ended up just shutting the truck off because we weren't going anywhere. Oh, so you're implying you and a partner? Yeah, my, okay. my dad. Okay, okay. was with me on that one, so. Well, at least we that had, worked out then. I mean, it, like, it sounds like I'd rather be in the car stuck with my dad than, like, yeah. a random coworker. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, family business stuff can get rough, but at the same time, you know, you're always going to end up having each other's bags. True. So I, he's he's helped me through a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm trying to do my best to help him out too. So it just goes back and forth. So there's benefits and downfalls of working with family members. Right. You know, if working with family members, you got a lot less chance of getting fired. Yeah. Good <laughs> so point. that's always a plus. You can mess up a lot more and, and not get into as much trouble. Um. Honestly, if it weren't for my dad, I probably wouldn't have gone on all the trips that I did to begin with. He's kind of the one that helped me get started on all that stuff. Oh, there you go. There you go. The uh, first load that we ever booked was um, a Jeep Grand Cherokee that was out of Oklahoma going down to Florida. And so we went down to, uh, we took it down to Florida, and we picked up a Corvette in Tallahassee. Okay. We took the Corvette back here to Springfield. Well, the guy that loaded the Corvette onto our trailer destroyed the front end of it. I Ooh. mean, all of the plastic on the, or the fiberglass of the front bumper uh-huh. was all torn to crap. And so we get it up there, and we had told the guy, this is what happened. We took pictures. He says, load it anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm fine with that. Bring it up. Right. Okay. Mind you, this is a 2005 convertible. 
Corvette with the LS motor in it. I mean, nice, nice car. Almost perfect condition until this guy tore up the motor. We get it up there, we unload it, guy had no problem, paid us, we were good to go. Until about a week later, we get a call that we're being sued. What? Yeah. So we get a call that we're being sued from the site that we went through. Well, we got it dropped because it turns out that he had not only tried to sue us for damaging the car, he tried to sue the people who loaded the car, the impound lot we picked it up from. He tried to sue the site that we went through to book the car, and he tried to sue eBay. So this guy was just sue happy. Yeah. Now, if he had just gone after me and my dad or the impound lot, might have gotten away with it. But he decided to get greedy. But he went after everybody. And, I mean, we learned a lot from that you know, experience. We got lucky. But uh, it, it would have been a really rough ordeal. <laughs> yeah. They, honestly, yeah, they didn't have to pay okay. for Go ahead. He just sounds like a little bit mentally ill. He's got enough know. money to buy a Corvette, so can't complain too much, right? How did he get that money? Probably sued somebody. Yeah, that's probably true. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a weird concept. Oh, this is a deep question. Wow. Uh-oh. What should be the goal of humanity? Whoa. That's so subjective. So many different routes. There's... I don't even know how to answer that. I don't even know how to answer that. It's like, what I, should humanity's end goal be? I mean, you could... World peace, maybe? I mean, I mean it's never been accomplished before, so that could be a yeah, goal. Yeah, but I don't know that there's any route that we could actually go to achieve world peace. Other than, like... No, nah, not even that. Because even if we try to revert ourselves back to, like, a, a natural like part of... You know, like no buildings or cars or anything like that just trying nah. to be a part of nature even then we're still going to fight for resources yeah true so is there any real way we could achieve world peace I, I would say outlawing war but apparently war's already been outlawed yeah like, they made war illegal in the I think it was the 1930s it's like Geneva Convention stuff right I'm, I'm not sure like I don't know the history I didn't even know that. yeah look up uh Wait, what would I even Google? When was war illegal? I guess. When was... Well, it was... It came up. Yeah, so whenever people go to war now, they are actually breaking a, like, a... I guess a... World law. I don't know how you make a world law, though. What year was that enacted, I guess? Because uh, I'm curious to see... We got World War Two. Obviously, you said something about the 30s. World War Two would have been late 30s, early 40s. And then, obviously, we've got the wars that America has placed on other other countries: Vietnam, Korea. Few still understand where these rules came from. A now almost forgotten agreement known as the Paris Peace Pact of 1928 that was eventually signed by all the nations of the world and had the immodest goal of outlawing war. Wow. I, I love the intentions there, but it just sounds so unrealistic, and obviously it hasn't worked. No, I mean, we've got how many wars just in, in the past century alone? Right. And 
about tw- nineteen twenty eight. Nineteen twenty eight. Think about that. Just a few years later. I mean, like I said, World War Two. Yeah. And Korea and Vietnam and then Iraq and everything we're doing over in the Middle East. And that's just the U.S. Yeah. Who knows where else? You know, it doesn't count, you know, all the African tribe wars that they're having out there. It doesn't count, you know, the cartel wars out of South America. Um, heck, I mean, um, recently Russia going into, what was it, Ukraine or something? I did hear about that. It was a couple years ago. But still, that's like they within the past decade, past decade, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess the way to achieve world peace would be to like eliminate like jealousy, greed, hate. So how oh, do we achieve that? The way to achieve world peace would do. It would be to remove human nature. Yeah. So it's just impractical. It's impossible. Right. Because. Uh, remove human nature jealousy greed everything we're just emotionless robots we're nothing but instinct do you think if we were able to achieve a higher state of consciousness through like more like a more informed public that the general consensus is world peace it's really abstract and really like out there to say that we could get 7 billion people on that same path though no. I agree. I, I don't know if it is possible, unfortunately. You would have to have, like, some kind of crazy Hunger Games dystopia to get it even set on the right track. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, nah, I don't know. So, that you can't, you're not going to be able to attain world peace, so now you got to change the original question, what is the goal of humanity? Yeah, true, true. So now we got to go back to that. we got to go all the way back to the beginning, and I still don't know the answer. I don't know either. I don't, I don't know, know if there is an answer. Yeah, that's kind of weird. We're all just kind of floating around on this massive rock, just spinning at a thousand miles an hour. But we all just, I mean, like, the, the, I guess, meaning of life is completely subjective to each and every one of us. Yeah. Like, what's going to make you happy might make me miserable, so. Well, you must not like cars, then, at all, because that's what makes me happy. (laughs) I'm actually, like, I have a weird perspective on cars, because I, I... I think it's so cool because I had a guest on the other night. He was just telling me, he's like, I love the way, I forgot what the particular motor was, but he's like, I just love the way, uh, like, I think it was like a V8 sounds in, in comparison to a V6. And he's like, I just love, like, the, the way it starts up. And he was getting, like, a, a blissful joy out of, like, talking about cars. Yeah. And it was really cool for me to experience because my perspective and just how I view cars is, like, I think they're cool and like obviously like a great innovation that tech uh, that mm-hmm. he, like uh, humanity's been able to like accomplish, but like I just see them as getting from point A to point B. So, just like anything else, like, um, what's something you really enjoy doing? Uh, let's say playing soccer, doing jujitsu, for example. Yeah, you love doing athletic stuff, right? Yeah, sports, soccer specifically. Okay. You go out on the field and you have a great time every single time. Same way, it, people. He's talking about how much he loves the cars. Same thing. That's what he enjoys. And so you don't understand what he's his infatuation with it. No, that's that's the thing is I I understand the feeling, mm-hmm. so I don't need to understand it. Like I get the feeling okay, that's because I understand the feeling so well. Like that that just I guess passion, that love. I got it. You don't have to get hit by a brick to know that it hurts, but you do have to get hit by a brick to know how it hurts. 
Same thing with the, the mind okay. frame. Does it make sense? Can you say that one more time? You don't have to get hit by a brick to know that it hurts. Right. But you do have to get hit by a brick to know how it hurts. Exactly. Exactly. So you understand the feeling, just not why. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I understand cool. <laughs> that people do get that. Yeah. I, I maybe maybe that's the point, like, of how to get world peace. Because I think that like that feeling in itself, if everybody was able to accomplish that feeling, because I think I think we mm-hmm. we live in a almost insatiable like uh, culture. Like we're constantly looking outward for all these things, but uh, they, like very unfulfilled culture. Uh, so I, I would say maybe if we found a way to provide more fulfillment so like that gratification that great feeling if we were able to achieve that on like an optimal level amongst like most of humanity maybe that would achieve world peace the problem is is that it's unrealistic well not even that Uh, it's humans constantly want more it's like in America we're a consumerism culture big time we try always try to get the bigger house and the nicer car and then the better technology and la da 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 da. You know our needs here. Like me, I'm 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 trying to save up money so I can get a new motor in my classic. You know I've got a classic car that I want to build. That's my main concern right now. Whereas little kid in Africa, his main concern is where his next meal is going to come from. Right. Well, he's going to get his next meal. And he's going to want to eat again. Well, you give him food for life, he's going to want more. Absolutely. It's the same thing. You know, I'm going to get that motor, and I'm going to want a bigger, better motor later. And you just have a constant need to, you say fulfillment, we have a constant need to increase our fulfillment. Uh, we have a constant need to have more. Yeah. Absolutely. And so our fulfillment doesn't always, it, it constantly rises. So is there a way to, like, just be content with what you have? Take away human nature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Man, Life's a just, weird battle, huh? That is. Yeah. Because I feel like it, like I feel like all of us we need to find that uh, level of contentment, but at the same and like be grateful for what we do have, but at the same time strive to achieve more. I think that's like finding the balance between that is one of the uh, ways to live a healthy lifestyle. I guess. I'll agree with that. I, you know, to be... Fulfillment comes from constant improvement, I, I think. You know, you're constantly making yourself better. You're developing yourself in certain skills that you want to achieve. You're developing your financial stability and, and how you feel about where you're living and your, your home, you know. And so it's a constant development of that, and that's why your fulfillment is constantly... Increasing, it's kind of like we were talking about. You're constantly increasing your comfort zone or expanding your comfort zone. You're constantly expanding the level you need to hit your fulfillment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I like that perspective a lot. So you think it's important to like have an end goal? Um, I think it's important to have goals, and when you achieve them, to create more goals. I like that. I like that. I like the the wording of that a lot better than an end goal too. Mm-hmm. Um, if if your goal is to run a successful business, when you you're going to constantly work to achieve a successful business. When you have a successful business, well, what do you do from there? Sure. 
well, your next goal would be to have a more successful business or start another business. You grow your company. It's like your baby, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like that, yeah. Set a goal, achieve it, keep moving forward. Set another goal. It's the, and the goal of doing that is to live a meaningful life, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's what the meaning of life is. To find meaning? To, well, maybe not to find meaning, but to... Well, yeah. The goal of life, or the meaning of life is to find meaning. <laughs> to reach goals. I can see that. I can see that. Finding finding a purpose for your life. I, I will say that's where a lot of like lasting fulfillment comes from. Yeah. If you like have something Absolutely. you're always working towards, and like you're like, okay, this is this is why I'm here on this earth. This is why I'm here. Sitting out there questioning your existence as much. It's interesting. We got really philosophical on that. We did. We did. <laughs> I like that question. Cool. That was actually uh, all the questions. Really? Do you, yeah. Do you want to talk about your business you started? Uh, you mean the one that failed? The, <laughs> the trucking? Yep, yep. <laughs> I didn't realize it failed, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it went belly up. <laughs> but it was fun while I did it, and I did make quite a bit of money while I was doing it. Um, but it started out, like I said, my dad and I kind of started doing it after high school. We were hauling cars cross-country, finding, um, we were finding loads off of uh, a site, and I'm not going to name it, because probably get in trouble if they find it <laughs> like we were talking about it technically wasn't legal uh-huh. it technically wasn't illegal it was kind of that borderline you know, shady area kind of gray yeah. area technically I'm okay but if I get caught I'm probably going to get into some kind of trouble no I get that so um, I think I would have been 19 at the time and right after high school I wanted to travel I wanted to make money doing it I didn't want to be one of those kids that just took off for a while and then ended up stuck in California or something calling dad to fly me back you know right. I wanted to make my own money and so I figured out a way to um, book loads and haul cars and trucks and stuff cross country and um, I went almost everywhere I mean I think the only states that I haven't been to at this point would be Arizona, California, uh, Washington, Oregon, and Nevada. Did you say Arizona earlier, too? Yeah. Okay. I've never been to Arizona. Okay. So I've been all up and down the East Coast. That's crazy. Most everywhere south. Um, I've been to Alaska and Hawaii, but not during that trip. Because that was all by, you know, you have to fly to Hawaii. And Alaska, that's a long trip. I'm trying to drive that, I can't imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> Ended up making um, a lot of regular customers, uh, specifically up in Michigan, which I, I, we've talked about that a few times. Uh-huh. Um, and at one point, I mean, I was hauling. He would buy trucks out of Texas, um, and I would haul them from wherever he bought them in Texas up to Michigan. And yeah, that's like. I think we were charging him like 97 cents a mile or something like that. That adds up real quick. You know? Oh, absolutely. So we were making a lot of money that way, and it was fun. Got to go up to Michigan, got to experience a lot of things. You can't get a decent glass of sweet tea or anything spicy anywhere up north. No way. It's ridiculous. Really? We went, we went to a cafe, and they had a burger that they called the uh, Flame Something. Oh, they like said it was going to be hot? It was supposed to be like super hot. <laughs> The Dairy Queen flamethrower has more spice to it than this burger did. 
I've, I've never tried the flamethrower before, it's, but not even it's not that spicy <laughs> it's got funny. a little bit of a spice to it but it's not that spicy you feel the heat but it's not that bad right you know that's funny because i had a mexican friend growing up and he uh he's like like he could handle so much more heat than i could oh, yeah. as far as like spicy stuff goes he would always call me a pussy because i couldn't eat like it like i put a little hot sauce on i'd be like ah oh, ah oh, it's so hot it's so I, hot. I heard something the other day that made me laugh it said uh the, t- uh, the South is so tough that paint is a flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sauce. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I love spicy stuff. Pain is a flavor. Pain is a flavor. That's yeah. good. <laughs> um, of course, you go down South and no one knows how to shovel snow, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. There's a lot of... It's surprising how much cultural difference there is between each end of our, our, our country. Just because of environment, or not just because. Well, I mean, environment and and history. I mean, obviously, up in Michigan, you've got a lot of loggers and 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 lumberjacks, essentially. Uh huh. And and that's where their history started. Was Swedes and and Norwegians coming over here to do logging because we had a massive amount of resources. Uh huh. And so that culture has integrated itself into. That, that state and that, that's why you know they have the same cultural aspects that they had at that time and they brought it over here with them so part of their culture is part of their is, is their history you know some of the foods they eat you won't find anywhere else because that's the specific region that uh, another group of immigrants moved to and that's what makes it more desirable too it was same thing in the south you know you know what they're doing up, up north with you know they, they don't have the same stuff. In the South, you've got, obviously, immigrants coming over from the border. You've got a lot of old cowboys, culture, because that's the culture that there was, and then their history has developed their culture. So we have these massive different pockets of culture all the way through our country that you don't really find anywhere else. It's really cool just to kind of get to experience everything, you know. Someone from Maine won't have anywhere close to the same experiences as someone from Maryland. And they're only a few states apart. True. You know, and that's that's just right there in the Upper East Coast. Same thing, you know, for example, someone from Florida, totally different lifestyle than someone from Washington. Absolutely. And You can say that at any point. Any point in the U.S. Like, yeah, even, even between uh, Chicago and St. Louis. Like, because I used to live in Chicago, and I grew up in St. Louis mm-hmm. as well. So, like, the cultural difference between the two was just insane to me. And I, I, I guess that kind of gives you uh, some hope for world peace. Going back to that, <laughs> that like if we can if we can all be united and we're all so different but all so the same at the same time, like maybe maybe there's hope that the entire world could get along. But if you look, we don't get along. True. I mean, we get along as far as the federal government is concerned, but when you get down to the brass tacks of it, we have polarized like policy political or polarized uh, again with the culture um, you know someone from Texas is probably going to hate the culture up in, in northern Michigan and vice versa you know and I, I imagine that well actually a lot of the people that I met in Chicago they didn't know how to handle me they, was that just to them I had a weird accent I, uh, the, the, one of the funniest stories I, I have from the well not probably not the funniest but the one I remember right off the top of my head right now I was in a cafe called The Night Owl in a little town called Launce, Michigan. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to my mom. And at that time, 
my, when I talk to my mom, my southern accent comes out real bad. Okay. And it gets real rough. I'll start talking like this. And, How you doing? My name's Jerry. It, 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 it comes out hard. That's funny. And I'm sitting there, I'm talking to my mom, and there's these girls sitting at a table, and they're giggling. Every time I say something, they start giggling. And I finally go, are you, are you girls okay? And they look at me and they go, we're just laughing at your accent. Are you from Texas? I was like, whoa, my accent? What are you talking about? It's <laughs> just the northern accent it caught me off guard. But it was just interesting how they'd never heard something like that. I'm from Midwest Missouri. Uh-huh. They thought I was from Texas because that's how they perceived that culture. You know? Exactly, yeah. They, they perceived the, the southern, tw- any kind of twang, really. Did you have the beard at that time? Oh, yeah. I've had the beard since high school. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Good for you. So you think, you think that played into it a little bit? Uh, played into? Uh, like their, their perception of you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they perceive, um, north southerners perceive the northern as a bunch of whiny white folk, and the northerners perceive the southerners as a bunch of rednecks with you know guns and, and weird accents, and it's just back and forth. Everybody be cool. At the end of the day, I think we should all just be cool, be nice. We should, but not everybody will. You know? Yeah. Just, some people just won't do it. Cool. Well. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, do you, do you want to call us quits on this? Yeah, sure. I can do a cigarette break. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool, cool. So uh, that puts us in an hour and a half. That was like, dude, that was Damn. a good conversation, man. And I, I told my guests this the other night, and I would say the same uh, compliment applies to you, but mm-hmm. this is like the reason I started podcasting. Because like we were saying earlier, like I, I college has given me a lack of connection because I think it's a lot of superficial relationships. There's yeah. a lot of superficial relationships um, just in the world. It's not just college. It was back Good in point. high school, too. I mean, even back in, like, kindergarten, you had mm-hmm. that one kid that was just friends with you because you lived in the woods and had guns. Or you were just friends with that one kid because he lived in a big house and had video games. Right. You know, there's all kinds of superficial relationships that we have to deal with in in life. Um, and then, oh, I was going to say something else. I don't remember what else I was going to say. That was a, a good stretch of rant. But, it, no, like, I, I going off of that, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. Like, it, superficial relationships in all aspects of life. That is, it's that not, is it's a good point. College. It's not just college. Yeah, I should keep rephrasing that because I think that's been a complaint throughout my life in general. Because even, even sports teams I would play on and back in high school or yeah. whatever, like, you... Like, you're just kind of acquaintances with these people, and you don't really ever get to, like, know them, like, on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate these conversations. Is Regardless of how frequent, like, I've been able to find the time to have these conversations, mm-hmm. I appreciate each and every person, like, for who they are. And so this, this conversation and a, a ton of other podcast conversations are the reason I started podcasting. So for that, I thank you very much. <laughs> It's it's been real. It's been a good conversation. This was fun. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So, uh, when do I get to come back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you'll be here uh, next year, right? What do you mean? Uh, like, oh my bad. Uh, like next this upcoming fall. Oh yeah, I live here. Totally, totally. <laughs> I was just making. I'm not sure. going anywhere. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, I'm definitely. I, I have like a long list of people like that. Oh yeah, and, and sure. I, yeah. So I'm surprised you. you got me on so quick. I figured you like you said you got a long list of people and you were kind of telling me that. And uh, you you were pretty quick to get me on here. You were on vacation last week, and then immediately, as yeah. soon as you got back and had a weekend free, you were ready to go. Totally. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I figured, like, uh, after after meeting you, like, freshly, like, it'd be a lot. Like, if we had, like, this conversation again, 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, obviously, we could go six months without seeing each other and be, like, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you seem like that type of person. I know I definitely am. Uh, but, like, like if I did, if we just had that conversation, like, a, at a party or something, I could totally see it getting, like, just kind of swept under the rug and then kind of forgetting about, like, like oh, you should come on the podcast kind of deal. So I was yeah. like, oh, I need to act on this soon if, like, if we really want to do this. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I saw it. At least that's how I feel like... Uh, a fair amount of people would be. So you just a fresh guess. You didn't want to lose me. I'm that important, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I enjoyed the conversation though. Yeah, it's fun, and I enjoyed this conversation it was a as well. Great conversation too. True, true. So, we honestly, yeah, we had just as good of a conversation earlier. I go pee. Yeah, totally. All right, so that wraps up episode number sixty-six of Jordan's Subjective Perspective. Thank you for listening so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, I've never done this before, but you should follow me on Instagram and all those other social media sites at IntrepidJordan. All right, deuces. Bye.